you are making the world a better place by listening to the Joy of Living podcast. This is your guide to achieving a more purposeful, powerful, and positive life. Join Barry Shore in unlocking the best version of you and becoming happier, healthier, and wealthier. And now, here's your ambassador of joy, Barry Shore. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. We have good in abundance today. Our cup runneth over with good. Transformative information is coming your way. And one of our most uh, interesting and uh, productive, oriented guest who is spot on when it comes to things that matter to you, such as your money. Yes, your money. Now you've tuned in consciously and conscientiously to the joy of living with your humble host, Barry Shore. And you tuned in for one reason, one reason only. It's the best reason in the whole world because you care the most, the entire world about you. Y-O-U. And that's what this show is all about. It's about you becoming the best you and being able to be the best you when it comes to your family, your fitness, and your finances, which is we're going to emphasize today. Because you know in this show that we work with the three fundamentals of life. And you work with these three fundamentals and use them, you will be happier, healthier, and wealthier. Who doesn't want that? Happier, healthy, and wealthier. You're joined at this very moment, by the way, by 351,822 people around the world, all of whom have chosen to join, join in to learn more and be transformative in their life experiences, using it to leverage for their advantage, because that's what you get on this show, advantageous transformational information. And the three fundamentals of life are, number one, life, your life has purpose. If you lead a purpose-driven life, number two happens, in this case, a good number two, which is you go mad. Mad stands for make a difference. And number three is to unlock the power and the secrets of everyday words and terms and something as simple as www right now this is being carried over the world through this magical mystical uh, platform called the internet if you ask anybody what does www stand for invariably they'll tell you it has to do with the internet factually speaking they're correct but in our world the world of the positive purposeful powerful and pleasant www stands for what a wonderful world. And of course, that song by Louis Armstrong, Satchmo, going viral has touched not just tens of millions or hundreds of millions, but billions of people around the planet. When you hear even the opening bars of that amazing song, what, are, what do you do right away? You can't help it. You smile. Now, SMILE is one of the most important acronyms that you'll ever internalize, utilize, and leverage in your life because SMILE stands for Seeing Miracles in Life Every Day. <laughs> Every day. Now, before COVID, and thank God the mask mandates are gone. People are going to go back to living, not back. They're going to go forward to living more beautifully and energetically without mandates and without oppression and without the, how should we call it, the authoritative thumb 
of the state. We'll go back. I'll be able to speak again to crowds and such like I did before, 5,000 people at a time. And I tell the story about smile, seeing miracles in life every day. And right away, people raise their hand, say, hey, Barry Shaw, Barry Shaw, I've been out for hours where I haven't seen any miracles. And I ask them, are you here? Can you hear? Can you see? Can you stand still? I can't. Can you walk? I can barely do that. Do you have water to drink? Do you have food to eat? Do you have a place to sleep? Family, friends? Every one of those is a miracle. What's the proof? The simplest proof. <laughs> a million people didn't get out of bed this morning. You know why? They died. By definition, if you're watching or listening, you didn't. So learn to celebrate life and live exuberantly. Now, think. speaking of that, imagine the following. Standing up in the morning, hale and hearty, able to leave tall buildings in a single pound, and that night being in the hospital, totally, completely paralyzed. And not for an automobile accident, not a spinal injury. It happened to me. I got a rare disease I never heard of the day before, and I became paralyzed totally overnight, quadriplegic, 144 days in hospital, two years in a hospital bed in my own home. I couldn't turn over by myself, four years in a wheelchair, two years I had braces on both my legs, from my hips to my ankles, and that was progress. Thank God today I'm able to be vertical and ambulatory with the help of a seven-foot walking one, but I still can't walk up a stair by myself. I can't walk up a curb by myself. I help 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But you hear my voice, positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant, all because of that one word, smile. But I got to tell you a quick story. My eight-year-old niece comes over to me the other a few weeks ago and says, Uncle Barry, Uncle Barry, can we spell smile, S-M-I-E-L? And I thought about it. Smile, smile, sound the same. Why not? I asked her, how come? She says, because then it would stand for seeing miracles in everyday life. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. What was she doing? She was creating the kind of world she wants to live in. Create is a great acronym that stands for causing rethinking enable all to excel. And that's what we're going to be doing now. We're going to be learning about how to rethink our approach to the world when it has to do with finance, meaning your money, the M word before the N word. M word is money. And it means a lot to you because you work hard for it. You want to use it. You want to leverage it. You want to provide for yourself and your loved ones. And what do you do to make sure that you can continue to learn how to grow it and not have it diminish before your very eyes? Before we bring on our amazing guest, my dear friend, Peter Nolan, we're going to just ask everybody to do the following. I want you to be able to use the two most powerful words in the English language three times a day consciously and conscientiously from now and forward for the rest of your life, because it is powerful. You're going to be able to help yourself, your family, your friends, and all living beings. And these two most powerful words in the English language are, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank stands for to harmonize and network kindness, to harmonize and network kindness. The Dalai Lama is quoted as saying, I read in his writings, be kind whenever possible. And as he says, it's always possible with a big smile on his face. So imagine you go back into your coffee shop, you order a fancy latte, you sit down, somebody brings it to you, say thank you. You walk in the coffee shop, you order a fancy latte, you wait a couple of minutes, nobody brings it to you. you. Go to the counter and they say, oh, I'm sorry, we forgot, we'll bring it to you, we're busy. Go back, you sit down, another couple of minutes go by, you still, somebody brings it, you say, Thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop. It's raining up. Somebody holds the door up of you. You say, thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop and it's raining. Up. Somebody slams the door on you. You say, thank you. You're in traffic. You're late for an appointment and somebody cuts you off. You say, thank you. You get up in the middle of the night and you stub your toe and it hurts. You say, thank you. You remember, thanks stands for to harmonize and network kindness. Kind is a wondrous word that stands for keep 
inspiring noble deeds. I can't think of anybody that inspires noble deeds. And I want to share with you at this very moment that our dear friend, the amazing Peter Molin. Peter, please say hello. To 358,722 people around the world. Say hello. Oh, hello, everyone. <laughs> it's Valentine's things Day, so happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yes. VD, VD. Did you catch VD? Now, when I was growing up, VD had many had different uh, meaning connotation than it does today. So we'll just do it. By the way, just as a data point, because it is February 14th, we'll even announce the uh, the year because it's going to be important because Peter is, uh, he has what we call the keynote address. Note, it stands for Nolan on the Economy. So when Peter speaks, people listen. Now, of course, most of the people in our audience, Peter, are under the age of 35, so they have no idea what we just said. That was an inside baseball uh, reference or something. But um, So it is uh, February 14, 2022, and this show is going to go up uh, very soon on uh, Apple and Spotify and wherever people listen to, and there'll be hundreds of thousands of millions of people downloading it and sharing it because it does touch on your money. Uh, I want to emphasize again a couple of things about Peter, just so you should know. I'm going to say it now. I might even repeat some of the things, but it's important to understand that when I ask Peter Nolan to be on the show. It's not just because he's a friend of mine and I'm jealous of his wavy hair and um, his good looks and such and, and just his you know, success in life. But the interesting thing is that Peter has utilized all of his skills to be able to be of benefit to many, many others, making people billions of dollars in return as a senior advisor at Leonard Green Partners, which now I think um, manages some almost $50 billion in assets. Uh, he sits on the board of Activision, which uh, Activision Blizzard, which is one of the most famous game makers in the world. Um, he is a graduate on all levels of undergraduate and uh, graduate school at Cornell. He has given recently a very large amount of money to perpetuate business and capitalism at Cornell, which is under siege, but we won't go there. He uh, founded his own private equity firm, which is called the Family Office, uh, for those in the know. And the reason I mention that specifically is because that means he puts his money where his mouth is. He invests his own money. He's not just managing other people's money. Hey, he allows partners to come in, but he puts his money on the line looking for opportunities in businesses that he can help grow and nurture and really ride out the storms of um, unease as it is in the marketplace. And as I say, one of the most interesting things about Peter is that he was an Eagle Scout. And I think that stands him well in, stands him in good stead over the decades since he was. Uh, maybe I guess when you are, you're never not. Uh, he's a husband, he's a father, and he's a friend to many. And I'm honored to um, call him friend. I think he calls me friend also. So by that introduction, what I'd like to do is just jump right in and start talking right away about the word that is on everybody's mind, on people's lips, and even being talked about by the White House and their press secretary and um, the Fed and all of the um, 
the governmental institutions that have to deal with it because it affects the economy of the United States of America and therefore the world. So Peter, would you please just jump in and educate us and share with us your insights into inflation, where it is, where it may be going, what it is, and what we can do to protect ourselves. Well, uh, thank, thank you, my friend, Barry. Uh, appreciate all those kind words. You, you're very good at it. Um, you know, if uh, Barry and I were talking before uh, we came online, and, and if you go back and look at our prior podcasts way back uh, nine months ago when the government was calling inflation transitory or temporary. We said we didn't see that. Uh, it was just announced a, a couple of days ago that the inflation rate seven and a half percent. And I think that most people realize that real inflation is much higher than that. Um, and and so what's going on? A lot of stuff is going on, but but here's just my opinion and i'm not a monetary expert but let me let me i'm gonna i'm gonna it's a terrible graph and i apologize for it so barry tell me if if you can see it but i'm gonna hold up a graph okay um, i'll move it just a little bit more to the middle oh that's excellent okay so here's what i see peter <clears throat> i see a starting point of four zip 4011 in 2019 okay. and a number of 20,553 in the year 23, I believe. That's no, that's the end of 2021, beginning of 2022. Oh my gosh, I mean, that makes it even more ominous, I think. It well, was it, with this, this isn't inflation, this is the money supply. This is the, this is the, uh, and these numbers are in, in, uh, uh, trillion, billions. So, right. Four trillion to twenty trillion is the money supply, the currency that's in circulation, and also bank deposits. But what happens is this is right here is when coronavirus hit. Um, so that's 2019. But when coronavirus hit, the government, the Federal Reserve, basically started printing money, and you see this this enormous jump. It's a fivefold increase. And, Five. Fold increase in two years. In two years, it's a five-fold increase. And as you can see, as it continues to grow. And this is historical. This is not a prediction. This is what actually has happened. And, and again, I couldn't find a better graph of it. This is from Bloomberg. But this is this shows you what's happened. So if the amount of money in circulation to buy goods and services if that if that amount increases by fivefold, do your numbers. That that's a little bit more than seven percent. So, what's happened is, and, and I I understand in 2020 when they shut the economy down because of the coronavirus, the government said we needed to do things to keep the economy from collapsing. And so what they did was they started printing as much money as they could. And they also offered money and assistance to both businesses and people. And because of the shutdowns, I think that was a, a that was a, um, you can argue whether or not it was necessary or not. We'll argue it for decades, but let's say, let me just say that that move made sense, but it never stopped. 
it never stopped. And so the government kept printing money and the amount of money in supply increased by a multiple of five, the M1 money supply. And when you have that coupled with the other factors, you had you had wage growth. People people were taken out of the economy because the government paid them not to work and because they could make more money staying home and collecting enhanced unemployment benefits, the supply of labor declined. So as the supply of labor declines, the price of the labor that's willing to work, of course, will go up. Uh, And then you had on top of that, uh, you know, these so-called famous supply chain interruptions as a result of uh, uh, manufacturing issues as a result of the pandemic. Um, and those supply chain issues persist even to today. And one of my concerns is that if the shooting ever starts, it, it could get worse. So uh, what we're seeing, and, and I think anyone that has a car realizes that the growth in the price of gas over a year ago is not up 7%. It's up 30, 40%. Mm-hmm. And if you go to the grocery store, pick your items uh, you know, proteins, various items you get at the grocery store, they're not up 7%. And, and so we're in this, what, what we used to call, when I first started on Wall Street, the wage price spiral. And, it, you know, a spiraling increase in wages uh, and prices. And inflation is a, is a, a terrible tax um, because it falls the hardest on people at the bottom end of the uh, wage scale. So if you're making, let's say you were making 10 bucks an hour and now you're making, you know, 12, 13, $14 an hour, it kind of doesn't matter because your, your, your overall spending power has gone down. Now the government says it's gone down by seven and a half percent. I think it's solidly into the double digits. Um, the other thing that is very concerning to me is as, and it doesn't get a lot of discussion, is as of January, it's my understanding that the so-called child tax credit, where you're paid $300 a month for how many kids you have, and I think it's almost regardless of your income level if you apply for it, uh, that ended, that ended. So, and that affects again disproportionately people at the lower end of the wage scale. Mm-hmm. So, I think we're I think we're in for a difficult time because uh, I think the Federal Reserve is finally I think the Federal Reserve has done a I think they they did a great job for about six months in 2020 to combat the shutdowns that rec- that occurred because of COVID but they never stop. And it just goes to show you how experts are frequently wrong. So when someone says, well, I've talked to 20 economists and they all agree on blah, 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 blah. I always look and say, so what? Um, and, <laughs> and experts are frequently wrong. And I think the Federal Reserve has done just an, a horrific job, horrific, um, in handling this economy by continuing by continuing to print money um, 
and and not backing off when inflation was already uh, uh, basically on our shores uh, six eight months ago, um, and so there's a there's going to be a big hangover, and it's difficult to predict. When I when I first started uh, in the financial world in 1982, 40 years ago. It was terrible. There was 10% unemployment. The Dow was at 800. Uh, you know, treasuries uh, today. The uh, the 10-year treasury is at 2%. I could look it up, but the the 10-year treasury was probably over 10% mm-hmm. back in, in 1982. Uh, and what happens is that freezes the economy. So we have enough things. If you look at it, we have inflation. We have Interest rates are going to rise. They have to rise. The Federal Reserve has finally woken up and smelled the coffee, and they're starting to address the inflation issue. They're going to go ahead and start raising rates, and they're going to stop injecting as much uh, uh, currency into the market. Um, And then you have uh, all sorts of uh, geopolitical risks that could happen. Ukraine, to start with could happen in the next several days. I have no idea if it's gonna happen or not. And then what happens with China after the Olympics are over? China China uh, would love to have Taiwan. And if you think we have a material supply chain issue, if, if China decides to go after Taiwan, Taiwan is a major, major supplier of, of computer chips to the United States, among other things. And, and uh, if, if China all of a sudden decides they're going to make a move on Taiwan, um, it could be a brutal year. Let's unpack some of what you've uh, said here. I, I want to emphasize a couple of things as we, as we unpack some of the remarkably important information that you provided here. And again, data alone is not the key. <clears throat> it's what you do with data that really makes a difference in life. <clears throat> the warnings that Peter is issuing here, or not issuing, discussing with us, are not dire in the sense that he's doing this to be dire. We're looking at items and we're analyzing and not afraid to speak truth. See, from the perspective of political class, let's say the White House and spokespeople, the people in power, the Democrats, and the people out of power at the moment, the Republicans, who are trying to get back into power. So they all have a political edge to themselves. Uh, We're talking about human beings. We're talking about people. And whether your portfolio is $1,000 or $1,000 million, which is a billion, it doesn't matter. You need to be aware of these things because the classic situation that Peter described of money supply increasing fivefold in 24, 28 months is the classic definition of too much money chasing too few goods. That's inflation. Yes. And if the, as he said, if the uh, <clears throat> established rate is seven and a half, you can literally bet and win that the real rate is somewhere between 12 and 15. And we can back it up with numbers, just as he's told us about the supply amount of money increasing 5%. I saw just a few uh, statistics in preparation for this. Used cars and trucks, which, by the way, represent a lot of cars and trucks, right? (laughs) They're up 22.9%. Let's call it 23. 23% in the past 12 months. 
because right. new cars are not readily available because you mentioned chips, computer chips, which primarily do come from China. In other words, we, we as a country made ourselves dependent upon a power that is not working towards our best interest. At the best of times, it would be neutral. And in the worst of times, it's a malign influence. And it will do anything and everything it can to hinder the United States from maintaining what we call hegemony and influence around the world. Because once the dollar is unseated as the car- the basket currency that everybody wants to run to, then you have a very shaky, unstable world without even a shot being fired. It's the currency, the United States currency, that really makes the difference in the world. Am I correct in this, Peter? Yeah, no, no. You know, the United States currency is, is uh, for all my life, has been considered the reserve currency of the world. And it's always been considered that, you know, what, what happens with um, governments that aren't well managed is they try to inflate their way out of their spending issues. And so what they do is they just start printing money. And if you look at uh, uh, places like uh, Germany, right, I think right after World War One, uh, they basically, the Weimar Republic, uh, started uh, printing money. And that's what caused uh, a tremendous recession in that country. And it led to uh, essentially a, a became a dictator being elected in that country and, mm-hmm. and and a lot of blame put on particular ethnic groups uh for the country's problems by the population and, and it was not a good thing so you know you can say people look it's not fun um and, and i've spent my whole life in the finance world and it's not fun to to try to figure out what's going on with the money supply and what's going on with the federal reserve it kind of you can kind of gloss over, you know, and when you're hearing what everyone talk um, and particularly the people that follow the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve itself, they speak like they're oracles and they don't necessarily speak terribly clearly. Um, and so you just kind of tune it out. And, you know, what I think that, um, that what we try to do is we try to pay attention to the impact of all this and what's going to happen. Now, why did the stock market was on such a run? It's because, yes, we were bouncing back from the shutdowns as a result of the pandemic. Yes, that's made this, the stock market bounce back. But it was the money that was flooded both into the economy by printing money and then also by government handing people checks. They handed businesses checks, uh, the, the PPP you know, where, where uh, you, if you kept your business open and you retained your employees, the loans from the government from the Small Business Administration in 2020 would be forgiven. I actually think that that was a, that was a good thing to do if you're going to force the economy to shut down the way these governments force the economy to shut down. But then you have to, you have to back off of that as soon as you can. Uh, it was a, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit like shooting up heroin, you know, the, there's, you, 
By the way, I have to interrupt you only because we're so in sync. I was just thinking to myself the word addict. Okay, I want you to continue. But yes, this is addictive behavior. Right, it's addictive behavior. Maybe maybe a better example is opioid. You know, opioids have a medical use under certain circumstances, but if you don't if you don't basically tail off of them, then you can become an addict. And as you become an addict, uh, it can really mess you up. And 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 I think what happened was there was a number of programs put in place as a result of the shutdown. Uh, and those programs continued on much longer than they should have been. And, and they chased people out of the economy. People stopped working. It was hard to get employees. It was hard to get businesses going. Now, there's a lot of good things happening. Uh, I think that I think the politicians have discovered that shutdowns are not politically popular <laughs> anymore. And restrictions aren't politically popular anymore. So now the science is telling us that they can reopen. Uh, and, uh, I love the smirk on it. I mean, a smile on his face as he's saying, those of you who are only listening, you're missing out on the the the, the great deadpan of Peter Nolan and this wry smile at the moment as he's discussing this. Yes. Right. So the political class has discovered that, gosh, maybe we don't need to be shut down as much as we did because it's incredibly political. You know, there was there was the fear and now there is the fatigue and the fatigue has reached a point where uh, people could lose their jobs as politicians. So. They're discovering that maybe we don't have to wear masks as often and maybe the economy can be more open and then maybe kids can go to school and maybe kids don't have to wear masks, uh, all this other stuff. And, uh, and and those are, in my opinion, uh, again, also long overdue and good things. You saw the Super Bowl this weekend. You had a hard time finding a mask. And that was 75,000 people here in Los Angeles at the Super Bowl. Uh, I went to it. I didn't go to the Super Bowl, but I went to an event around the Super Bowl with 5,000 people. There wasn't a mask in sight. So the masquerade uh, is over. And, and by the way, I'm in California and California is uh, at the extraordinarily restrictive end. Mm -hmm. But even our governor, who's been very, very restrictive, decided tomorrow that, um, you know, I always, by the way, I, I never understand it. If 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 I discovered that masks weren't necessary, why would you even set a date a month from now? You just <laughs> right. say, okay, it's not necessary. Just stop using them today. Uh, <laughs> oh, but the science has given us it opened up the skies and it said February 14th. It's over. It's over. <laughs> right, right, right. Except for Los Angeles County, because who knows why. Okay, by the way, on that note, let's go to only because we're we love capitalism we have sponsors so everybody hang in there because peter's coming back I and mean, this is so good because it's informative transformative and it's about your money so we'll be right back after a couple of brief breaks imagine the kind of place you would want to shop for your favorite fur baby pet honest Pets.co. Well, you found it. Honestpets.co. Not .com, .co. This is your go-to spot for the best, the cleanest, 
pet treats that exist anywhere in the planet. All of the brands go through a rigorous review to make sure they meet the high standards of cleanliness, health benefits, and naturalness. This site was started by a husband and wife team, and it's veteran-owned, and that care about pets, especially dogs and cats, and coming soon, bird treats. These are very nice young people who really care about making a difference because a portion of proceeds go to support veteran organizations with a focus on service dogs. This is the place where you want to go. You want to tell your friends this has the finest, yummiest, freshest, all-natural treats and stuff for your fur baby. So go there, honestpets.co honestpets.co. Do it now. Hello, everybody. As you may know, I'm 72 and recovering from being a quadriplegic at age 55. Oh, my. Now, to stay active, I swim two miles per day, six times per week. So you can imagine, I know a thing or two about aches and pains. And until recently, I thought my aches and pains were a fact of life I had to deal with every day just part of the process of getting older and staying active. And then I tried 100% drug-free relief factor. Now I've been taking their convenient packs three times a day. And I got to tell you, everybody, I am feeling noticeably better. Relief factor is giving me more oomph and less oh. The secret is its four key ingredients. Each one supports a different metabolic pathway that your body uses to respond to the inflammation that is the cause of many hip, back, shoulder, and knee pains. If you have everyday aches and pains too, remember, Relief Factor is 100% drug-free and designed to be taken every day so you can get out and stay out of pain. Now, to make it as easy as possible for you to try Relief Factor, they created the three-week quick start discounted program for $19.95. That's it, $19.95. So do what I did. Go to relieffactor.com slash joy and order a three-week quick start for yourself. You'll be glad you did. Again, claim your three-week quick start for only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com slash joy. You'll thank me. You'll be glad you did. Best wishes. Bye now. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings and good looking people. Remember, you're good looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. Good and abundance are cup runneth over with good. His name is Peter Nolan. And take note because this show is called The Note Man. No, This is Nolan on the economy. And he's here to give us insight into things that really make a difference to you because it's your money. And people all over the world care about their own money. We left our intrepid heroes on the edge of a precipice. We were talking about too much money, chasing too few goods. Government hasn't handled it well. We had lockdown, and now the politicians are realizing that people don't like lockdowns. They don't. They went from fear to fatigue, as Peter said so nicely. And now we're going to discuss, with your permission, Peter, this really difficult issue that the Fed says they announced. This is also quite interesting, by the way. They announced that in March, which is just next month, they're going to begin raising rates. 
And there are a number of banks and people who are watch, Fed watchers, as they call them, who predict that over the next 12 months, maybe even less, that the Fed will be raising rates seven times in the next 12 months or less. Now, <laughs> you know, seven days, I don't care if you raise it a quarter point each time. That's a lot of points to add to interest rates, which, of course, everybody wants to hope dampens inflation, and yet it adds to our money woes because you can get into a terrible place called stagflation. We won't go there, but I'd like you to speak about uh, the, the Fed raising rates, what it means, and what it affects the United States debt. We just passed, as you know, Peter, $30 trillion in debt. In other words, an impossible number to contemplate because when Obama took office in 2008, it was 17 million. Everybody was pulling their hair out. And now it's 13 trillion more. And Elon Musk recently wrote an article and said, hello, everybody, wake up. It's not 30 trillion. It's probably double that because it doesn't take into account all the unfunded liabilities. Right much like you were talking about inflation. It's not seven and a half. It's probably closer to 12 to 15. So please speak to us about Fed, what you think is going to be the the result of what the Fed will do and what it means for the debt and our debt ratio. Well, the, the, the Fed, the Fed is, bo- here's the, here's the, the challenge. The Fed has boxed itself in and it, it really has no choice uh, at this point, other than to uh, taper the uh, monetary stimulus by raising rates, so they're going to raise rates, and uh, and uh, basically debt will become more expensive, and uh, demand for dollars should you know decline because the value of the dollar declines, and uh, you know, my concern is it's it's too little, too late. I understand why they don't want to just do it all at once, because then you could just have this. That would be cardiac arrest. Yeah, shock to the system. And so what they're doing is they're telegraphing what they're going to do. And then and then what, what actually happens, we'll see. And, and I'm not a Fed watcher, so please don't don't. Uh, uh, I look at this as just a, a, a layman uh, that, you know, is involved in the markets and involved in businesses. Um, so I don't know what the Fed's going to do or not do and why they're going to do it and how much they're going to raise rates. I have, I have no idea. All I know is everyone's in a, in a difficult position. And, and the thing is, is that uh, you really don't have any monetary tools in the event something bad happens and you need to have a monetary tool to deploy. And that's what happened in 2020. They took a bazooka out in 2020 and basically shot money at everyone because of the shutdowns. Now, uh, if we have all of a sudden, let's say something really bad happens with China, uh, Ukraine, it's sort of the, I think the base assumption is, is that's a goner. Um, whether that escalates beyond that, who knows? And, and one thing you learn is that, uh, all this stuff is extraordinarily difficult to predict and you're usually wrong. So, you know, the thing that that happens is the Fed raises rates, the cost of borrowing goes up. And so what is that impact going to have on assets? 
if you look at the value of the stock market or the value of houses or even the value of used cars, part of that value has been driven by very cheap and easy debt. You know, where if your mortgage is at, at uh, you know, two, three percent and some people even lower, um, that also uh, imputes into the value of a home. And the same thing's true with the value of a company, and that's the stock market. If you can borrow, you know, at, uh, at uh, call it one and a half percent, two percent. You'd be crazy uh, not to. You're crazy not to. As, as I've, I've seen some people call it, it's free money. Right. Uh, and if you can go out and invest that in plant equipment or buying other businesses and earn 10%, you, you've, you're going to make a lot of money. So uh, we're seeing that that effect on the stock market. Uh, we'll see if it, if it has an impact on real estate. I think it will. Um, I just, I'm just very, very concerned that uh, our leadership all the way from the agencies to the Federal Reserve to the federal government is in a real mess right now. And Markets don't like uncertainty. And uh, so, you know, the question is going to be, Barry, where do you put your money? And I really have no idea. I was just going to ask you, Peter. Okay, people want to know, where do they put money? If you have, again, whether you have $1,000 or you have $100 million, where do you put your money? Yeah, I, 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 that is the problem. And that's the conundrum is, is that when, when you have inflated values for assets and there's more downside than upside where is there a bargain where, where is a good place to put your money if you put your money in the bank let's say you put a dollar in a bank a year ago and you probably earn no interest because rates are so low for the past year that dollar today according to the government is worth 92 and a half cents that's what your dollar's worth by sitting there doing nothing. If if you believe what I've been saying, maybe that dollar's worth somewhere in the 80s. And so you've lost, if if the inflation rate's 15%, you've lost basically 15% of your money by just having cash, putting it in a mattress. People used to go into gold in times like this, but interestingly enough, gold hasn't been a great performer. Why is that? I think people that would otherwise have gone into gold have gone into crypto. And they've gone into cryptocurrencies. And there's a, a number of variety of cryptocurrencies that one can go into because they want to hedge themselves against declines in the dollar and they don't trust the government. And then there's also a whole bunch of people that want to basically have a currency that's outside the view of the government. Uh, and, and that includes, by the way, bad people. Um, you I know. would say mostly bad people. Well, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say it's mostly bad people. I think that I don't know. You know who who are the how it breaks down the full participants and and sort of bit stuff like Bitcoin. But there's a lot of speculators in 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 Bitcoin and um, in certain parts of the world, Bitcoin is used as a currency. Mm -hmm. um, uh, because they don't trust their government. So, but I, I'm not saying you should go into Bitcoin. Look, do I understand it? I absolutely don't. 
do people that think they understand and understand it? I don't know. I, I, I ask a lot of people who participate in that sector of the market. And when you really pin them down, no one fully understands where uh, Bitcoin should be valued. But you could argue, where should the dollar be valued? And the, the value of the, the dollar is, is declining. Um, and and that, that leads to a very, very uh, troubling situation for our economy. And if it doesn't stop soon for our world, it can it can really lead to some bad things. And the government, the government is is losing its uh, tool chest. They don't have the Federal Reserve as a tool chest anymore. Um, I think <clears throat> I think they had, you know, big spending uh, was passed. Last year, what was it, Barry? It was a trillion three? One point seven trillion dollar bill. Right. So there's a one point seven, and, and then and then the Build Back Better. Right. Oh, that was going to be another two plus trillion. No, I think it was more than that. And, oh. and, and, and because a lot of those programs, uh, you know, they had they had uh, basically ten year of revenues against uh, like one year of disbursements, which was um, re really, in my opinion, highly deceptive. Um, but uh, in a lot of ways, I think it's very good that that didn't pass. To, to say that that's going to cure inflation is probably one of the biggest lies of our time. Uh, I want you to repeat that word. It was not just a, gee, I don't know better. I think it was a lie. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I, I looked at that and said, you know, are you kidding me? Again, why, why does inflation occur? Too many dollars to chasing too few goods. If all of a sudden you flush, flush is maybe the wrong word, but basically <laughs> distribute another two, three trillion dollars into the economy, how does that, uh, how does that alleviate? too many dollars chasing too few goods. The amount of goods don't increase by that much. They, they will eventually, but not by that much. So I'll tell you the other interesting thing. So I, I own a, a company that um, it's a, it's a company that's a retailer store. It's, it's a chain of stores. And I was at the trade show uh, in Arizona uh, last week. And the vendors, the, the companies that sell stuff into this channel were at the trade show selling their goods. And I would ask them, well, how much have your prices increased in the last 12 months to the retailers? And I would say on average, it was probably about 15 to 20 percent. That's huge. And, you know, cat food was up 30 percent. How much was that? 30 Three zero, three zero. So I also asked them, well, are you planning any future increases? Every single vendor, and I think there were about 1,300 vendors. I didn't talk to 1,300, but every single vendor that I happened to talk to randomly said, yes, we have another price increase slated for this summer. And by the way, is this an industry that a lot of regular households yeah it's it's a, it's a it's a farm supply business based in the pacific northwest so they sell they sell apparel and they sell pet food and horse food and uh, farm supplies they sell tools uh, you know uh, 
all, all sorts of, you know, almost like a, a general store. But, you know, you, you look at that and uh, I just think that they will say that inflation has slowed. The rate of increase is slowed. It, it does have to, I think, in the near term. I think it will slow. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's with us and it's going to continue. And this isn't, uh, you know, I know uh, Elizabeth Warren and others in Washington say, well, this is companies just being greedy. That's nonsense. This, this, is, this is companies going, all my costs have gone up. We haven't talked about other costs, you know cost of fuel has gone up. The cost of employees has gone up. The cost of insurance has gone up. The cost of raw materials has gone up. The cost of everything has increased. And unless I raise prices, I'll lose money. And, and, and so it, it's really terrible. I mean, the country, when you look at the typical worker in the country, yes, they did get a raise, but that raise was taken from them by inflation. Mm -hmm. And that's why the country's in a sour mood. And uh, there's really very little that you can do in Washington to fix it other than you have to stop spending, you have to stop printing money, and we have to take our medicine and work our way through this. You know, just today, you know, oil is, is approaching $100 a barrel. It's up 50%, 50 percent, 50% in the last year, 50%. And so you, you contrast, and oil is fundamental to so many things other than just transportation, right? You have, of course, you use it for your car, you use it for trucks, you use it for trains, you use oil for, for uh, hydrocarbons, for plastics. It's plastics. <laughs> there's, there's so many things that have lubricants. There's so many things up and down the supply chain that have oil in them that you don't even think about. Um, we, we, we still generate a tremendous amount of our electricity because of oil. Uh, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Um, and so, you know, this is, uh, uh, that, that is a, a real bellwether for what's going on. And the other reason oil's going up is there's a lot of concerns that if things happen in Ukraine and gosh, I'd hate to see what happens if something happens with uh, Taiwan uh, it could go even higher. Uh, again, we're not, Peter is not being dire. He's looking at things as they are. Again, I, I love your, your story about being at a trade show and dealing with real vendors selling into a marketplace that sells to real human beings as the, as the end result. Uh, I'll just use something you mentioned here. Um, you talked about a particular senator, and I don't think she's alone, unfortunately. I think she represents a particular wing of the current Democratic Party that is not only anti-capitalism in the, how should we say, it, in the, the way we have it now, but as a fundamental part of our country. There, there's literally a, a socialist wing, but I don't want to go into the politics of it. I want to mention something else. Uh, I think you know as well as anybody that when government produces a program, an entitlement program, we'll call it, uh, it's very rare that any entitlement program ever, I, either, either gets cut back or gets eliminated, even if it doesn't serve its purpose anymore. 
And I think, unfortunately, that tends to happen with pricing. In other words, once businesses have reached a new threshold of pricing, where consumers will say, okay, yes, I'll go there. They may not go beyond it, but as long as they continue to raise their prices to protect themselves, it's much more difficult to lower those prices again. And if, if they do get lowered, it doesn't happen overnight like mass mandates. Oh, okay, mass mandates are gone on Monday. No, it might take years before prices, let's say oil, oil need to go back down to $30 a barrel. Well, that doesn't look possible right now, does it? Well, uh, you know, you never, never say never. You never, you never. It might take years. You never know. During the pandemic, uh, they couldn't give oil away. There was a period of time when, when, when oil actually went to a negative value, right? You know, today, today a barrel of oil is $94 and 70 cents. I'm looking at it right now, the market, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, in 2020, there was a period of time where it was negative, where, where you paid people to take your oil because demand had stopped. Um, but, but King on your point, Barry, um, if you had an employee working for you in any business and you were paying that employee, uh, pre, pre, uh, 2020, you're paying that employee, let's say $15 an hour, and you take that employee up to 20 bucks an hour because it's hard to find employees or $22 an hour. It, you never really go and and tell that employee, by the way, we're going to take you back to 15. It just doesn't <laughs> happen. It does not happen. It it, it 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 almost feels immoral to do that. So what 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 do companies do is they try to figure out uh one thing they will do is they'll try to figure out how to eliminate that employee, the need for that employee, because as the price of labor goes up, the price of substituting labor, for example, with technology uh, comes down uh, and makes it more cost effective to invest, for example, in technology where maybe you don't necessarily need as many people at the checkout stand. Uh, and, and maybe just take the, you, you, you take the uh, theft risk of having people check out their own items, uh, like you see in many grocery stores or Home Depots or Lowe's. Um, that's all tied to labor. So labor is very sticky, price is very sticky, and, and uh, deflationary periods usually accompany bad things. Um, now, we've had what we've had over the years, which has been really interesting, is we've had low inflation because productivity has gone up tremendously and people don't talk about that but but it's not it it it, it basically technology and and manufacturing efficiencies and competition and overseas competition has has kept prices in check on so many items uh you know i, I remember i have my cell phone right here's my cell phone uh when uh, when the first cell phones came out, they were, this is a long, long time ago, they were like, you know, $2,000. And today you can get an intro, intro model cell phone for not a lot of money. Probably you can get one for a hundred bucks. I don't know, I haven't shopped for a cell phone in a while. That's all technology. That's that's technological uh, advancement. And, and so that's what's happened. You know, we've had Full employment. If you look at 2019, we had full employment. Uh, we had uh, price stability. 
we had a lot of good things going, which which uh, really helped the economy. And then what we had was was the pandemic, and the pandemic threw a big wrench into the whole machine. And and I would say that the political response to the pandemic has made things even worse, even worse. I think on that <clears throat> interesting note. Again, Nolan on the economy. Uh, we're going to have to pause here because of time and such, even though I'd like to go on for another hour or so, but we do have a slot that we fall into and that we people like to hear. And, and um, I'm going to ask you two quick questions, wonderful Peter. First question is, will you come back again? Barry, for you, you're the only one I'll come back for. <laughs> And, of course, the 362,000 people that are now listening to us around the world. Thank you so much. Uh, I've asked you before. I'm going to ask you again on this note. What is your most fervent desire? I, I, my most fervent desire, well, it's always the, the health. You know this. I, I say this every time, the health and happiness of my family. But my, my most fervent desire is nothing bad happens this year. Aside from that, no, number one is the family. But um, I, I am very concerned that the uh, uh, the leadership vacuum we have right now in our country is is opening a door to bad actors, and I'm very concerned about that. Um, and uh, my hope, you know, if you look at, for example. Uh, this Canadian trucker thing. Uh, I'm, I'm sure most people have seen the protests in Canada. If someone just pulled out a gun and started shooting, how that could turn into just a real nightmare. Now it hasn't, thank God, but it could. And, and, and it's a very fine line. You know, history shows us it's a very fine line between a civilized society and anarchy. And it can be very small catalysts. So I just hope I just hope we don't see the problems that we've seen for the last two years. Thank you. I'm glad. I, and we all want your fervent desire to be realized that we make it through this. Um, this will be a trying year. It's a year of elections in the United States of America, which will affect not just the United States, but the world, because we are <clears throat> the beacon that people still look towards and are attracted to, because if it's going to be, if anything good's going to happen, it's going to emanate from us. And hopefully the leadership vacuum will not be filled by even more less capable people. So as a wrap up, everybody, on this wonderful high note, again, Nolan on the economy. He said he's going to come back again and we will hold him to that. So we'll hopefully, let me see, this is February. I say sometime in the summer, we'll invite Peter back again so we can give us some insights of what's going on, what has happened, and see how, how he's done in his prognostications and such. Yeah. And remember, you are listening to and enjoying the joy of living with your humble host, Barry Shore, our amazing guest, Peter Nolan. And remember, you tuned in consciously and conscientiously because you care the most in the entire world about you, Y-O-U, you becoming the best you possible. And you do that by following the three fundamentals of life. Number one, Life has purpose. You lead a purpose-driven life, you go mad. Mad stands for make a difference. And the third is to unlock the power in the sequence of everyday words and terms, like WWW, what a wonderful world. Smile, seeing miracles in life every day, or as my eight-year-old niece says, seeing miracles in everyday life. Saying 
the two most powerful words in English language, consciously and conscientiously, three times a day for the rest of your life. Those words are, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks stands for to harmonize and network kindness. And when you do this, you'll create the kind of world we all want to live in. Create stands for causing rethinking, listen to Peter, rethink your position of where you are, where you want to be for yourself, your family, your friends, and the country and the world, causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. And the result of this will be that you'll be happier, healthier, and wealthier. Who doesn't want that? So on this note, both Peter and I wish you a blessing. And our blessing is go forth, live exuberantly, spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. Go mad. Go make a difference. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Joy of Living podcast. Now that's another step towards your healthier, happier, and wealthier life. Never hesitate to do good in the world, no matter what the situation. Join us for another upbeat discussion next time at BarryShore.com. And be sure to leave a rating and subscribe to the show to get more conversations like this. And remember to share it with your family and friends too. See you on the next episode.